Today in TFC Stock Geek Out, we're going to explore a company that was born out of the pandemic in a situation when everybody was struggling to roam the streets, even the most basic modern day human need of going to the doctor became a real hustle. This company is a leader in the space and the name has become synonymous with the sector itself. But the business model is a lot more complicated than you would presume and like yourself, I do wonder will this sector continue to thrive going forward and will consumers continue to visit the doctors digitally in decades to come? So joining me today to geek out on Teledog is our in-house talk and tech geek, Thomas Teo. Teledog's business model actually revolves around companies and insurance provider rather than a simple pay-per-use model. And they're still in the early days trying to entrench themselves in the already complicated insurance ecosystem in the US. So let's see what happens here. For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 7th of July, 2021. And our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and helping us financially to do more for you. Join our Telegram group for further discussions. Let's geek out. I'm back in the studio with Thomas to talk about uh, another geek out, right? Another company that we've been wanting to talk about um, and it's, it's revolutionizing the way we look at medical, right? The, the, the experience in general of of medicine, right? So, so what, what is this company that we're, we're going with? This is Teladoc, right? So the ticker is like T-D-O-C. Um, as the name sounds like, it's doing something to do with uh, telehealth, telemedicine. Um, what telemedicine is, is that basically you can provide care or some kind of healthcare services, right? Over the internet. So whether it's through an app or maybe it's through some uh, like a browser, right? You've got a camera, a doctor talking to you and diagnosing what is your problem. Um, if you've got a flu, don't go to hospital, right? Just take some meds, stay at home. <laughs> stay at home, yeah. right? Take your MC, tell your boss it's right. COVID, right? Don't, don't, basically, don't, don't take up the capacity of the hospitals. Lah. And then um, at the same time, um, because for T-Doc, they primarily serve the US markets. Geographically wise, US is uh, a bit locked in. Like to go from place to place, you need a car. But sometimes these uh, patients, right, they don't have access to cars, also don't have access to specialized services right, around the area. They got to travel really far, right? So this solution helps them to actually get diagnosed. And if that's really an issue, then travel down and just get the treatment straight away. La. Yeah, so that's what uh, Teledoc does in a gist. Um, of course, we can go further into the kind of specialized services that they provide. But generally, that's the kind of use case that they're trying to solve. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually pretty amazed that people are okay with Teledoc. Yeah? You know, like, like oh, just Skype your doctor, huh? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> right. you, know, you, you know, going to the doctor felt, felt like an important thing. Mm. You know, at the point in, in, in but the But the doctor sometimes don't want to see you. Yeah, exactly, right? They, <laughs> they're very sane. They work 30-hour shift. Shout out to all my doctor friends here in Singapore, right? You, you guys work very long shift. I totally get that. Things need to change. Uh, but yeah, and I know that the telehealth space has grown so much because of this whole COVID period, right? And mm. people just kind of adopt. And actually pre-telehealth, uh, pre-COVID and the growth of telehealth, there was already a lot of de-hospitalization going on. Like a lot of care was going into clinics and, you know, health centers. Like like CVS did a very big push for health hubs. Right. right? So it's no longer reliant on hospitals. Or at least they're trying to make sure we're no longer reliant on hospitals mm. and move towards 
a different kind of process. Anyway, we're speaking uh, about the US system, you know, mm-hmm. uh, here, which in itself is very complicated. Uh, right? <laughs> the whole pharma space in the US is an exciting space. Um, but, but all that being said, what is the kind of reality that we're looking at for, for telehealth? Like, is it just going to be like a fad, you know, that, that's just come and go? Or what is the growth rate like? You know, what are some things that we should know about this space? Mm. It kind of bloom out of nowhere, in, in right. my view. Right, right, right. So I think telemedicine um, was around for some time already, say like six years. But you only see them in very specific use cases or very specific um, diagnosis, right? Because not everything can be done over the web. Like last time, maybe internet quality wasn't so great. The camera wasn't very high quality or what. You want to see a rash or so problem. Yeah. Or, or bitch. Or whatever, whatever skin color. La. Then it's like, oh, I, I, I don't think anything's wrong with you. But I'm itching here. Yeah, sorry. I cannot diagnose you. Please come down to the clinic anyway. Mm, Things mm, like that, mm. right? And in the US specifically, certain states also have uh, these kind of, I wouldn't say rules, la, but say like your insurance provider, right? In US, uh, it's complex enough uh, that in certain states, you cannot claim for certain things. So if you're based in a, a, a place, in, a, in let's say a city, and then they don't support coverage right, for your particular medical condition, right? that's it. Eh? You have to pay it by yourself, right? So these things start to open up and um, certain policies in the US start to become more relaxed. Certain insurance providers also, they become uh, more comprehensive, right? At the same time also, telemedicine becomes more of a thing, all right? That's accepted both by the patients or say like citizens, as well as having more doctors on board, specialists on board, and then you can just pull all of that and really provide these services to almost anyone everywhere. La. Yeah, so the, with more coverage, with more people that is actually using the internet, okay. all the factors actually push towards uh, yes. having these kind of like uh, remote care, la, so mm-hmm. to speak. So it's there. I think it will continue to grow. According to some of the research already, it will be here to stay. Yeah. Certain countries will be more prevalent than others. Say US is like one of the key movers in that. But in certain areas of Asia, say like even Singapore, right, you will start to see more increased cases like that. It's just that perhaps culturally, right, or even like expectation, la, you demand service. So you want to go to a clinic and then make sure that someone is servicing you. Same thing like if you go say to uh, NTUC or Sheng Tsung, right? you will never check out yourself. You want someone to go I do, tap the I do, item for you. I do. Thank you for being a responsible <laughs> person that can take care of your own needs. But I would think majority of people don't think that way. Cultural shift takes time, which mm. is why COVID uh, expedited a lot of these changes. Right? It pushes a lot of these things forward. And Teledoc is one of the leaders in the space. And also recently got listed. I mean, recently, a few years. Lah. Not some super established company. Could you help us understand more insights about this company specific rather than just the overall the space, right? Sure, sure, sure. So I think they primarily focus on telemedicine side of things. They heavily do acquisitions, right? To actually complement their existing uh, telemedicine services. So they acquired uh, Livongo Health, which is like more of like wearables. And then they acquired uh, some other company that uh, does like the data aggregation of things, data analytics and all that. So this is important because uh, they focus primarily on this, but they have other stronger partners. Now uh, they are acquired. They're already leading this or chonging these kind of areas for them. And this forms uh, a, a form of defense uh, right, against any other competitor who tries to do the same thing as well. So very important is that uh, why the wearables? So of course, a person isn't at the clinic, right? So how do you actually get these measurements? True. So you need some form of way to actually get this um, important information of your body, your physique and all that to the doctor or the specialist, right? If not, then it's like, oh, measure your heart rate. Like, I can't feel. Oh, how? (laughs) (laughs) Then problem, right? Mm. Yeah, then it's not standardized. So the first thing, that's the thing that they need to go and do. 
And then the analytics portion is that, okay, how you can you actually present this kind of data to, uh, say, like financial institutions, insurance, so that more of these can come on board. So you form a form of uh, like a flywheel, right? Mm-hmm. More institutions, more um, insurance coverage that is on board. There's more users who say, mm, okay, not bad. I'll just give it a try. And then that reinforces everything as well. So more people are actually coming onto the platform because of this uh, cycle rather than just being a generic platform. Because there's plenty of other platforms out there that also do uh, telemedicine. So uh, China, I think there's like Good Doctor or something like that. There's other listed companies in the US also doing the same thing, but not in the similar way, right? So theirs is really acquisition and really focusing on uh, integrating all these companies together and then forming a very comprehensive end-to-end solution. Yeah. So if you need to see a doctor, then they make sure that they can diagnose you without even going to the clinic. If they can't do that, then there's a separate process for it, but you're still within their ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. They have a network of clinics, they have a network of specialists lah, if you need to go and recommend and all that. So when you enclose in all that, right, they can get a piece of the pie. They make their money through the subscription from the patients, but more likely a subscription from their main customers, which is the enterprises. So they sell this solution as a form of core employee benefit. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. These are their primary customers. About 40% or more of their customers, right, are actually Fox 500 companies. Those are very sticky customers. Yes, yes. And uh, in turn, these employee benefits uh, programs is passed down to the employees to use and that it forms a bulk of their user base. No? So they have that one portion which is uh, all the employees and then another portion which is like everyone else who can also tap on this to actually use. But on Teledoc, right? Yeah. Are you telling me that they are the only ones that are really doing this ecosystem play at this moment in time? Uh, they are one of the more successful cases. Like. Okay. Yeah, of course, the closest competitor it is uh, American Well, AMWL. So they, they, are, they, are, they are actually uh, one of the more similar, they have one of the more similar offerings. Uh. But depending on how you actually look at it, like they are number one in what? Number one in app downloads, but it doesn't mean that they are actually winning revenue, that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I, I think the closest competitor that if you want to um, try to understand this business model would be AMWL. Uh. But the main difference is just that, okay, what are you looking at in terms of uh, market share? Number one, in terms of app downloads or number one, in terms of revenue or the number of customers acquired and all that. Uh, basically, for this analysis of uh, Teledoc, it will be based off the customers. Uh. So the Fox 500, that one is quite shook uh, when you hear like, ooh, mm. okay, sticky customer base. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a good place to, to work with, to work upwards. Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think for a lot of people that you know don't understand the the U.S. medical system, mm. uh, it's a it's a very complicated space with a lot of uh, insurance providers in the midst of it. And you know you have all these different kind of purchases. You know, so there are a lot of middlemen in this in this game. Mm. Right. So if uh, a company can kind of re envision this whole process and give more value to the employers, you know, rather than just Rather than just pay insurance companies and then just attach themselves straight onto the medical ecosystem, mm. maybe this could be an alternative medical system. Mm. Um, that you know, that's why I think I think that's why companies are interested because you generate more value, bang for the buck, right? Mm. And you kind of clean up all this middleman. Uh, and yeah, that's not the discussion for today. But for a lot of people that don't understand why, I think this is a pretty interesting uh, business. Not just from the oh, you know, like you can do it digitally. You know, but because the U.S. medical system is very complicated, uh, there is a real chance that this can revolutionize the whole way things are done there, mm. right? And yeah, maybe other countries will be just applying certain levels of of that. But I think the U.S. is the is the big monster, you know, that that uh, can be tackled. Yeah, pretty interesting. So, 
understanding this company, what are some major business models that we that we need to know and be aware of? Sure. So I think acquisitions is is their primary way to actually grow. Uh, they don't actually do things very organically. Mm. If you mean acquisition by organic growth, then yes. Uh, but but because it's, it's by the bug. Is this a Valiant Pharmaceutical? No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> For everybody that don't know, Valiant is this failed M&A giant, you know, uh, that bought a lot of pharmaceutical companies that uh, didn't really work out at the end uh, mm. because there were not a lot of things to acquire, you know, mm. <laughs> as it goes along. Mm. So what seems to be happening in US is actually there's a lot of consolidation of uh, even like doctors or specialist clinics, mm. right? So they form their own networks uh, and then they just refer amongst each other. Mm. So that way it's like, okay, like, you form your own ecosystem, uh, mm. right? So the easiest way to just as, get as many partners on board, right? It's just like, okay, just one shot, just acquire. And these smaller ecosystem customers also, right? They may not exactly uh, have a great app of their own, but they can just tap on Teladoc, mm. right? And then it's just more of like data migration, data integration and stuff like that. And uh, it seems that the company has done okay la, yeah, with mm. this kind of process. So acquisition and integration is important. Um, the second thing is really, I think, sales uh, at the end of the day. Mm. Although the customers are sticky, but getting more people on board, right, means that your coverage has to keep increasing. And that also means that regulation-wise, right, you're following these uh, exact rules, right, per state. And that's actually quite complex. So you have, like, customer data that you need to get proper records and proper security involved. You also need to get um, all these regulations compliant. You, you Certain, like, obscure things, uh, like, a person has a certain diagnosis, right, cannot claim in a certain state, must go to somewhere else, right? Mm. But if you have these kind of providers that you just wallop, you just take, right, they might be able to provide it. So that is actually important and it's this kind of synergy that uh, helps them to go and grow. Okay, clarity yeah. here. Teladoc is doing a platform play. Yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. So that means the doctors are not under their payroll, you know, no. it's, it's, they are not, you know, building that infrastructure of uh, professionals and all that. They're just no. doing the platform with the technology and then they are, they are essentially matching customers to doctors through their integrated platform. Mm, mm, That's mm. all it is. Yep. Okay, so very lean model. Very lean model, yeah. Okay, so, so the, the two main ways they make money is through the subscriptions, right? So there's the enterprise one and then of course there's a small pool which is like self, they subscribe their own one. Amazing how the, the self-subscribe one is a small pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's cool. I mean, they're they're mm. very young to to get uh, companies on board at this level. Um, pretty cool, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, it will make more sense for the companies to to uh how do you put it? Just buy into Teladoc's program because they don't want to handle all these claims processing, the insurance thing. Like you can claim for this and that. Like HR only has limited bandwidth. Like, mm. There's really mm. so much to do inside a company. So if you outsource this thing to them, all you need to know is like, okay, this package, this price, your employees are happy. That's all I want to know. Right, so that that actually makes things very clear. Then the other way that Teladoc actually makes money is through visit fees. Think of it as like a referral, lah. Yeah. So if the customer actually goes to a clinic and then that's considered a visit fee because they actually went down to see a specialist clinic and they had some diagnosis there, because you routed this particular person to a specialist clinic which was otherwise not making much money, right? Then you get a fee, like a commission, mm. Yeah. This is great. Because if you just have a clinic on your own, even though you have a network, right, you're just based off your geography. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But in this case, Teladoc helps to like sort of decentralize it and say that, okay, there's other options also. Do you know that this particular doctor in your area could also do this? Decentralized buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is they're doing subscription. They yeah. they charge their clients in terms of like a month to month kind of subscription process. Mm. Do mm. they actually pay the GPs when they go on, they go on telehealth? 
uh, arrangements. Uh, like, you know, when if I'm a client, then I go on Teladoc to like talk to a doctor. Does the doctor get paid by a Teladoc? To my knowledge, it depends. It depends, yeah. Okay. So there's, there's different kinds of packages for each of the companies, right? So it goes based off that. And per company, they will have different kinds of insurance packages, right? So some is like, oh, say you have $3,000 worth of yearly uh, outpatient fees that you can claim. Yeah, then whichever, like, that, that's really on to the company, Okay. right? But what they do is mainly that I have this network, right? You subscribe with me with your X number of employees per head. Yeah, that's all you have to worry about. And these all things are covered. Your employees just use a platform, they claim through you. Yeah, okay. Or they came through our platform through you, you know what okay. I mean? Okay. So yeah, fundamentally, it does not change the ecosystem yet. They're yeah. just building one layer on top of it to manage this whole comp- mm. this whole big giant. Mm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Then I think the, the last thing is they're, they're, they're really a platform company. So you can think of it as like a SaaS company as well. You have to manage the churn. But because it's interesting, it's like they sell to an enterprise, right? The churn is very, very low. Mm. Right, it's not say like oh one year this company then another year like oh swap out another company for this company. Like, no, 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 no. If mm. that happens, then management it's a, it's a will lose job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it tends to be mm. the case. Most of the adoption will be a few years, mm. right? Mm. So hence the the churn is pretty low. Okay, it's pretty good. Good to mm. know. Mm. So then, when trying to understand this company, you know, what are some core matrices that that we should be aware of? Mm-hmm. So you have your visits versus paid memberships. Right, paid memberships will be a total number of, say, like uh, employees from the enterprise customers as well as the, the other paid subscribers. And then those actually visit. So these are your visit fees. Uh. So um, the stats are there's 50 million paid memberships, right? And 10.6 visits, right? So a fifth of that are actually visiting a clinic. Mm. I'm not sure whether it's a good thing or bad thing that there's this number of visits, uh, but... Just look at things of revenue-wise. Whether they should push this number up, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, everybody's very new in this space, right? You, yeah. don't, you don't know what's like the, the optimal golden ratio. You know, mm. is it because, um, you know, telehealth is not good enough, that's why you need to go into a physical location? Yeah. Or is it because that is just a natural extension? At some point yeah. in time, there's just... You just need to go in for a deeper kind of right. um, analysis and, and all that. I think people right. are also all grappling with it. Right, right. Because what, what I mentioned this uh, is because if they are incentivized to push up the number of visits, right, it could be a bit ethically wrong, la, right? Mm. It, for no reason. I say, oh, yeah, go to cleaning. La. I get a referral fee, but you don't tell that to the customer, right? Everything you pay through the, the, the company. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. But I get it. The, the raw numbers, uh, the number of paid memberships will actually help to explain uh, whether they're actually growing their subscriber pool or not. And this is heavily um, correlated to the kind of customers that they're getting. So it's a Fortune 500 companies. Um, maybe not all employees are subscribing to it, right? Maybe only like 70%, 80%. But if the number is growing over time, that means they are growing both the employee count as well as the um, the number of customers that they're acquiring, enterprise customers. And then there's the uh, cumulative activated base, right? Cumulative activated base is some chim... Some, chim, some chim, non-gap shit that, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Every new SaaS company want to have some weird non-care rubbish. Okay, yes, please. please. The, the simplified explanation <laughs> is that it's just the rate of people that is trying Teladoc. Ah. So like, it's a free trial and all that kind of thing. They are willing to try. So use this number. La. This is the number that they're actually reaching out to. And mm. then versus the number that's actually paid is the, you say that like, it's a conversion rate. Mm, yeah. Mm, so mm. this number grew 100% in 2020. So pretty good. There's more people that is actually aware of, of Teladoc. And it also means that they're more open to it. La. At least mm. they're willing to try. So right. this number indicates the amount of people they're using for free, you know, but they have mm. not converted into yeah. the main paying customers, you know. Right. So there's a right. segregation. And I think when understanding SaaS companies for a lot of people that don't yet understand the whole freemium model, um, it is, uh, now it's a main thing. La. Most people mm. do the freemium model. And mm. if you can grow your free base, um, you have a lot of 
strategy to convert them. Mm. Um, and that, that's the, the interesting part, you know, in terms of percentage of conversion and all that we can, mm. as we go along, we'll, we'll better understand the company and understand mm. the space, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's, the, that's the beauty. But they are like a healthcare kind of platform, uh, so they can't use the term freemium, you know, it, it sounds too cheap. Ah, okay, okay, okay. That, that, that makes a little bit of sense. In, in, yeah, yeah. It's like how the, you know, CNY, then they will have the lion dance, right? Uh-huh. The lion dance can never appear in front of the clinic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine if their neighbor see you, you know, you run a clinic and you <laughs> Oh yes, yes, I I I get it, I get it. It's just a, a different way of uh, denoting the same thing. Part marketing, yeah, part of the branding also. That's why they can upsell to enterprise. There's certain words that you just don't use to sell to enterprise customers. That kind of thing, lah. Yeah, yeah. So there's paid net ads. Paid net ads means that for each of the enterprise customers that they actually uh, acquire, right? So how many of the employees actually uh, are the paid memberships? So per enterprise customer, how many, how many paid users they acquire, la, basically. Yeah, then there's also the uh, diagnose on first time. That means like on the sh- one shot, right, through one telemedicine, uh, say call or something, right, they, the patients receive a diagnosis. Mm, so right? they trying to measure the efficiency of the mm. platform. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is actually at 50%, which is pretty good. Mm. Yeah, so the numbers weren't that good last time. Say it's like 20, 30%, but it's risen dramatically already. Okay. Yeah. So um, it comes through, say, like the wearables. That's that. That's a big help. Um, it comes through more, I would say, robust questionnaires that they also provide to the users, so they the doctors have more information to actually diagnose. Yeah. There's another another uh, metric called distinct diagnosis, right? So distinct diagnosis is not just like oh, um, yeah, like everyone has a flu. Okay, <laughs> can you can you differentiate the kinds of flu, right? Mm-hmm. Or can you, is is it more like a stomach flu? Is it this kind of other flu and all that? So the number of distinct diagnoses means actually right, the quality of their platform can actually increase because they can go down to the more minute uh, cases, which will lead to if there is a referral, a more accurate one. Yeah, and this means that there's no time wasting between you, know, you go down or no like, why this doctor say like that? It's not like that actually. Then you refer to another one and you refer to another one, and this happens a lot more than mm-hmm. one might realize. Yeah, yeah, I, n- yeah. I never realized that. Mm. Okay, because good lah, touch wood I got no yeah, big yeah. health problems, but yeah, and I never, mm. never thought of that was that was a problem. Right, right, right. Um, like j- just a, a a small story is like sometimes um people might not know actually that they have very rare condition, and some doctors in a certain area might not actually recognize it. So say like some kind of like I think autoimmune disease ah, like mm. a brittle mm. bone kind of thing, yeah. 20 years ago, right? 30 years ago, right? It wasn't recognized in Singapore. And then everyone would think like, oh, that person came on. Mm, uh, mm, actually, no. Um, then after that, they go into, they go to different doctors, go around, go around, go around. Then finally, they say, hey, yeah, have you heard of this particular disease? Or not? No idea. Yeah. They only revealed that, yeah, indeed, the person actually had it. And it must check for very specific things over a prolonged period of time. That kind of thing. <laughs> yes, yes. All, all, it's, it's all part of, Okay, by the way, I just want to put it out there that your doctors are not are not like legendaries. Huh? They, they are humans and they do the best of what they can, right? So med- medic- medicine is always improving and there's always a more efficient and more accurate ways of diagnosing over time, mm. right? So I think this is all, it's all part of uh, what people need to understand when, when looking at this platform, you know, mm. or at, at least when trying to understand the, the, the pharma and medical space. Lah. When you're trying to invest here, you at least need to understand like what, what is going on, right? Like, yeah. I think for a lot of consumers, when, when you go to the doctor, you think the doctor will know everything, right? They will settle everything for you. Everything's sweet, you know? But as an investor, you got to really move 
beyond that way of thinking to understand that it's a probability kind of thing, it's efficiency, and then over time, new diagnoses that get developed, new ways of doing things get improved, and uh, it all adds to this whole being efficient and accurate. I mean, there's only so much information that you can pack in med school. These mm. are your basics. And then maybe they, they have a certain period where they get attached, right? But ultimately, after that, right, it's the, on to your, say, your GP or specialist, right, to really just research on their own to really diagnose a, a good one. So, um, to diagnose the, the proper one. So, they will have to go out of their way and really, like, passion or interest, right, to really understand it. And if they don't know, they really don't know. Mm. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. No? So, having this kind of network has its uh, benefits because they also can kind of cross-share information uh, so that's on the B2B side of things, uh, which uh, they might go into next time. But for now, it's just catering more towards the patients. Uh. Yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, we talk about customers also. So more than 40% are Fortune 500. So to name a few, T-Mobile, United Health, right? So both are listed companies, very big organizations. Big. So so for some um, like significance, <laughs> la, like 2017, mm. right? Uh, T-Doc actually had 250 plus Fortune 1000 companies. Right mm. now they are saying oh forty percent is Fortune five hundred companies mm. right so it's definitely more than two hundred fifty lah yeah so that's a lot and yeah. moving up the the value chain right yes yes definitely right. right a bunch of other stuff has to do with cross sales so basically cross sales is uh basically upselling the other kinds of services or upselling um uh, this is a bit ethical lah yeah but upselling the other kinds of like specialty clinics and all that yeah, so yeah. um that is a mild gray area but you can look at it okay revenue lah another one would be this is their term, uh, paid net ads and per member per month in dollar value. Otherwise known as PMPM. Mm-hmm, yeah, they actually mm-hmm. have a chart for this. Uh. So, you see, <laughs> your, your, your net ads when it's enough, increasing. Uh, enough, right? uh, no more non-get. <laughs> ma. Every time you give me non-get measure, I gotta learn new things. <laughs> yes, please, please carry on. So, so, your net ads can keep increasing, right? Your, you have larger number of customers and, uh, your, but your paid membership per month must also be increasing. If it's decreasing, right, it means actually your average charge Right, or your subscription right, is actually going down even though you acquire a new customer. That means TDOC, right is losing pricing power. Mm-hmm. So by right, like, you acquire a new customer, it's showing like, hey, this other platform charge cheaper. Why you charge this much? And then like, you see the thing going down. If it goes down for too long, then you know that competitors are catching up. But this company and the whole space in itself is very infancy. Mm. Right? So there's a lot of development, a lot of very aggressive kind of growth strategies sure. that's going on. So I won't be surprised if they slash prices to... To, to kind of acquire law, right? Yeah. The, the whole acquisition, standard acquisition play today, you know, uh, cheaper to, to get. La. I mean, streaming mm. guys are all doing it, right? But the st- okay, clarify, uh, the streaming guys are already like, what, 10 years into the business already. Yeah. And it's very different. So Teladoc is, it, as a sector, they're still very, very young. That's also a reason why they got so many like weird non-get measure, right? <laughs> Trying to, you know, help you understand their business. But yeah, okay, okay. I think, I think that's... Uh, pretty much the overall arc of what they're trying to do is a platform. Mm. They make money from subscription. Uh, most of their customers are B2B and and they have some sort of upsell as they go along, whether it's additional services. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and 80% of their revenue is recurring. Because of subscription, right? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. okay. Pretty so cool. So you, you say like, okay lah, so 20% is actually the referral the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. That's pretty good. I... I like it, you know. I I like the business uh, as as a as a recurring business. Uh, mm. But some some has to say about how easy is it to cut off from subscription businesses. But mm. but that's a whole different discussion mm. as we go along. Then we can talk about the modes, how sticky the platform is, yep. and and all that jazz. But yep. overall, what are we looking at when we are looking at this company and this sector? Like, what is the market share? Where are they mm. at? You know, overall yep. in this space. 
So, according to some stats from American Telehealth Association, this was... They have an association now. They do, they do, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, since 2017, right, they're measuring uh, some stuff. Okay, um, okay. In the US, especially, they hold 75% market share. Oh. Mm. Dominant. Dominant. Yep. Okay, yep. okay. Um, total addressable market is 29 billion, right? 17 billion is ambulatory care, right? Uh, that means one third of the visits is actually treatable by, via telehealth. Mm. So that's how they actually calculated it. And they're trying to, they're already going into that market. And then that 12 billion is behavioral health. So 80% of those visits are actually treatable via uh, telehealth. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So these two things, they are both whacking. Of course, other people are also starting to whack. La. So they have other similar apps also for the competitors. They're number one across the board. So number one across in terms of rank by average uh, monthly active users by downloads, install base. Is that a review? A review? No. App review? <laughs> Have la, have la, have la. You can go in search. So there's mm. Teledoc, there's mm. Doctor on Demand, there's Life Health Online Mobile, there's the MWL, AMWL, mm. and then there's MD Life and a few more other like generic apps. La. And this is just in US, right? So you can just see like the different kinds of experiences that you can get from the other apps as well. But a lot of other competitor apps, definitely. Yeah. Mm. But it's what the ecosystem that um, these competitors can bring to the table that will ultimately challenge uh, Teledoc. La. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so this is a very mm. young space. Mm. Are we seeing growth in a sense of like competing with their competitors or are we seeing the whole sector growing? And so this pie is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and everybody mm. can write this. I think there are fundamental differences when evaluating yeah. a, these two different trends. You know, whether I'm mm. eating someone's lunch or is everybody just getting more lunch because right. we are all eating someone else's lunch, you know, right. and it's right. a very right. different growth. So if you talk about US, right, and uh, doesn't talk about total addressable market, which uh, Teledot wants to have, actually it's the first one. So it's a limited market case okay. of that because there's only so many in a year that you can service by ambulance or by behavioral choice. It should not increase. Right, mm, mm, mm. your population size increase also, but it doesn't mean that your number it of cases usually should... moves in tandem, la. There's some yeah. sort of uh, reflection there. Yes, 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 yes. And if you're counting on your number of recurring revenue right to actually increase, it means that there's likely going to be more cases, which is bad, mm. right? So you 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 think that uh, okay, if the person has say like chronic condition, keep going back one, mm. no choice la, right? But how many times the person can go in ambulance? You know what I mean? Yeah, so. This this thing is is a limited market there for it, right? The TM will not grow fantastically bigger, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, a roughly fixed already. However, they can grow overseas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So telemedicine is is starting out in US. There's this big pie that they can play. Their infrastructure also can be ported to overseas, but mm-hmm. they need the network. Yes. Yeah. So they are trying to go into other countries. They are actually uh, through the acquisitions. Um, <laughs> acquisition again. Acquisitions. Okay. Acquisitions. Okay. Yeah. So they claim uh, to be in 130 countries. Must see their financial breakdown later. Yeah, yeah. No, majority is US, <laughs> really, really. Yeah. Mm, they're, mm, they're all mm. their quiet ones. It's just here and there, you've got some ecosystem and then they just service, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's a very, very small pie. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that are new to being in a pharma space or in the medical space or as an investor, you need to know that if anything is non-linear, this is extremely non-linear mm. in terms of the growth in terms of uh, state-to-state difference legislation, country-to-country, yeah. um, it's very, very different. And it's, it's not like, oh, you do very well in one country, you can definitely scale elsewhere. It's not like selling shoes, you know. You know <laughs> a lot of companies are, oh, our growth plans is to go to all these foreign markets and, and make it big and, you know, yeah. Costco expand to China, Nike, whatever. You know, those guys are doing very non-sensitive kind of things, mm. right? Uh, consumer deliverables and FMCG and brands and all that. But yeah. When it comes to medicine, when it comes to pharmaceutical, when it comes to you know this whole medical space, right, people need to understand that scaling is 
not just you know we just start the app elsewhere. <laughs> mm. There's a lot of uh, integration and there's a lot of um, trying to understand local policies and all that. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really hard. the knowledge you need certain expertise also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, are we seeing this company? at this moment in time, plateauing in terms of growth or are we... Because they're already so big, right? Or mm. Is that why they're trying to get the market abroad or what is the situation for them? So the growth plans, um, it is still growing, right? But uh, in the short term, mid-term likely will plateau. So they're trying to grow in terms of other kinds of use cases. That means like, okay, you have the total addressable market, right? But in each of them, it doesn't mean that your competitor can support the same fuel. So, so number one, they need that to be supported by all the insurance coverage. Number two, being able to have the specialists on board to serve these kinds of needs. So each of the like total addressable markets, right? You can slice them even further by, um, say like Alzheimer's, say by by certain kind of chronic care things, and there's like hundreds of those. Yeah. So it's really also prioritizing which is the ones that is needed, right? By the location. So it's about execution. It's about a lot of work in the aspect to get it done. Mid to long term, what is their plans? They could keep acquiring. They could go into different business models. But then they start to encroach on more of like the actual healthcare services like a hospital or even the wearables market really. Mm. Uh, in, in that territory, right, is where they will face your fangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. big boys. Your big mm. boys are all here. Yeah. Right, okay. So they could be comfortable in this particular niche, but uh, likelihood is that it's going to plateau. Mm, mm, mm. And as a as an investor in a growth company, or oh, I would think they're priced as, as a growth company mm. at this moment in time. So I think there's something that people need to be aware of. Right? Yeah. So they're not in... There's no endless amount of growth here, and mm-hmm. uh, they're not they're not operating in a silo. Okay, there are a lot of other startups or even like serious companies in other countries also that are doing mm. telehealth, and they've integrated in the local environment, right? Mm. So M and A as a strategy, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, yeah, we have to talk about the financials, lah. So, so what what is their numbers, like? Are they financially strong, or are they governed by some like Wall Street guys and just kind of acquire, acquire? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, 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 um. We got numbers from 2021 uh, TTM versus uh, last year, 2020. Revenue is at 1.37 billion compared to 1.09 billion. So it grew, it grew and it's recurring, 80% of it. And um, this is not bad, la, but you talk in terms of cost, right? It's almost the same. So it's like 1.38 billion compared to 1.12 billion. So it's like whatever they make, they just lose a little bit. Right, so they're covering with a lot of other growth acquisitions wise. Uh. Operating margin, then that's like they're losing. Yeah, but not by 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 phenomenally large numbers, right? So it's like just barely below break even. Uh. And then uh you look in terms of cash flow, then it's like 0.21 billion. That's 210 million uh, versus uh say like 90 million. Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but operating cash flow, just operating cash flow alone, right? It's actually positive since 2019. So you see a lot of that cash which they are getting through the revenues, right? Really being spent back into acquisitions and then growth. Mm. So that's why the numbers look the way they are. Yep. For debt, then it's at 1.38 billion versus uh, 440 million. So definitely has balloon. Mm. And they acquire. <laughs> yeah. So much yeah. like any other people that are going on an acquisition spree, you will see this debt thing balloon or you will see a, a lot of new equity being you know sold into the market yeah. right? so yeah, yeah it's all part of it probably they also finance acquisitions through that uh. so mm. it's just getting larger and larger sustainable or not is this a very big question mark yeah mm. Mm. earning per share became more negative yep $6.27 negative $6.27 did they release more equity as a result of that why Why are they losing more a bit money? of both a bit of both mm, mm. Uh, so they're both losing money as well as printing more shares uh. mm, mm. so yeah. selling more 
That means you're getting diluted, ah, as an mm-hmm. investor. Mm-hmm. Raising more debt also means that it's adding more risk to your per share. Your per share debt is getting higher. But they're growing. Uh, so so that's the <laughs> that's the that's the thing, right? It's like yeah, yeah, we got to look at valuation as, as we go down this path. But, but are, are you concerned about their financial health at, at this point? Yeah, 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 for sure, for mm. sure. So, mm. the, 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 the... Oh my God, we sound like some boomer, cheesy, like value investor, you know? Like, this company must be very healthy. <laughs> oh, growth, of course, you want to put money into losing money company. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, uh. There, there are certain types of investing for that, right? Mm. Like really early stage ones, you, you sure, I think that's fine. You're just mm. investing in the prospects of a company. Yeah, yeah, but they are not, they are not early stage anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I, okay. By any chance of early stage investments, uh, these guys are not early anymore, mm. right? You are buying into a mature you know, I would I would say their core business they are already matured, mm. and you have to see the next bulk of growth from another vertical. Yeah, whether is it insurance? You know, insurance is a great business, mm. big margins, and if they have all the data, then it they have the actual capacity to yep. <laughs> be a very good insurer, right? And and all that jazz. So so we need to see that kind of growth prospect. Mm. If not, the the market will beat it down any time when the growth kind of plateau. Right, right, yeah. right. And and also because um these financials they resemble very much like Cloudflare. <laughs> <laughs> no, mm. serious, yes, there's there's a lot of revenue, but they're spending mm. almost the same amount back into their business. Mm. Then similar kinds of results uh, that you're gonna see. Mm. But the difference is that okay, is your market growing or is it the same size and shrinking? Right? Mm-hmm. And then is the is the company actually something that you want to invest in? There's always other comparables, right? Like doesn't mean like oh I really like this company so I put money. Yes, yes, yes. Right? yes. There's other options. Uh, like you, reason why we look at earnings per share is because for that dollar that you buy for one share, how much is it giving you back? Mm. If it's always negative one, then of course it's gonna lose money, right? Stock price might increase, but you deep down lah, just know that the company is actually losing the money that you gave it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that what you want? Mm. If you're okay with that and you're, I don't mind being a growth investor and hold until to a point where you get your expected return. Then sure, mm. then sure. But you need to go into this and really understand it. It's not like a boomer mentality. You should be doing this, I hope. Yeah. Don't be a TikTok investor. Uh. Just watch TikTok video. Yeah. Five things you should buy. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why price moves. Price is mm. not exactly the same as value. Mm. Yeah, mm. But You can go and read, read like Warren Buffett and all that. And mm. then you will... Your mind will be open, lah. Yeah, yeah. But after fun. you, after you read Buffett, you want to read many other people. Mm. Okay, Philip Fisher and a lot of other guys. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, he's he's not the only guy talking about like value and all. But yes, he's just the the most successful one, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I would say the company financials are a little bit wonky. You know, much like any much like any other growth companies that's kind of stuck in this process of transition they they have to either keep growing or they have to be profitable you know uh, either way the market will then kind of reprice it based on really based on the growth rates mm. right and we're we're seeing like top line growth not as well i mean about 20 30% you know at this point in time um so yeah let's let's just kind of see how the kind of growth goes along but they are software company I would definitely think that they are more sticky than Cloudflare, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's for discussion as we go along. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the team. Sure. Right, who is managing these guys? Why are they going on the acquisition spree? Why are we not focusing on organic growth? Mm. You know, what's going on? Mm. Okay, so um, the CEO, his name is Jason. Um, he was there since twenty oh nine. Previously, he was at, at Oxford Health and uh, WellPoint. WellPoint is now Anthem, uh, also a listed company. You can go search. Uh, an Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield. I'm not sure entirely. Sh- I'm not entirely sure what this one is. Um, okay, but some background. He has a bachelor's in arts in international relations at UPenn. It's like, hmm, 
Okay. Explains MNA. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, maybe he's 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 got a network, he's mm, talented in some ways, mm, okay? Let's mm. not judge. Mm. Then there is I really uh, judge. Really. <laughs> I mean we talk about this to judge the company, right? <laughs> but yes, yes, continue. Okay, yes. but the education and entertainment purposes only, eh? We're not, yes. not recommending, yes, continue. Yes, yes, yes. So there's Kelly Bliss, uh, president of the US uh, US Group Health. Um she does sales, client management, client and commercial operations. Uh, previously, she was a chief client officer at Teladoc, so quite relevant. Uh, also at Best Doctors. So Best Doctors was one of the competitors uh, mentioned earlier, right? Mm. She was a chief of staff. Next, second biggest person in the, in the company. No, I mean that HR became oh, sales. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. And then um, her background was industrial psychology from Mikkel's College. Hmm. Mm. Okay, then uh, Joseph DeVivo. He's the president uh, for the hospital and healthcare systems. Okay. When as we progress, right, you see a lot of precedents. Yeah. So these are either acquired or they were poached over. Ah, mm. okay, okay. So these are all the acquired guys, mm. which eventually were fade out of management. Do you uh, think so? Or? No, I think they were still head off because um the structure internally. It's not right, like a software company. It's a software company, but it's not really a software company. So it's like a medical conglomerate with a software spin. Yeah. Okay, okay. So <laughs> you will continue to see these guys around. Okay. Yes. You will not see integration, product integration to a point where the founders will leave or the presidents will leave. Right. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so hospitals and health systems. Uh, this is what Joseph take care of. He was a previous, previously the CEO of InTouch Health. Then he was acquired in 2020 by Teladoc. So that's why he's there. Then uh, he was also the CEO and president at NGO Dynamics and VP and uh, general manager at US Surgical. So US Surgical is one of the divisions under Tyco Healthcare, another big company. Uh, his background is Bachelor in Arts in Business Administration. So the next one is the Chief of Human Resources, Anon Geshuri. He was at Livongo Health until the merger with Teladoc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a, this is a wearables one. Previously to Livongo, he was a VP of HR at Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one that grew the from 400-person company at, to 35,000. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Mm. And then he was also a senior director of staffing ops for Google and also previously at E-Trade Financial and Applied Materials. Yeah. So quite diverse, la, this guy. Elon Matas. He's the president for BetterHelp. So he's got 20 years of entrepreneurship experience. Uh, BetterHelp was also acquired by Teladoc in 2015, but still runs BetterHelp. Yeah. So he's really kept it as like separate divisions, but they share data, they share the integrations and stuff like that. And he founded other companies as well. The CIO is Jeff Nadler. So he's got electrical engineering background from Union College. And then there's Mala Murthy, which is the CFO. A senior exec position at American Express, CFO of Global Commercial Services, PepsiCo. Yeah. Mm. Com Science Engineering from Jadpur Uni and MBA from IAM Masters of Public and Private Management from Yale. So actually they are a software company, right? But so far no. I don't one see yeah, I yeah. don't see serious software guys in yeah. the mix. A lot of healthcare guys. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Uh lastly we have Bimal Shah, so he's the chief medical officer also for product and analytics. Previously at Livongo, then also merged, then he joined. He was in the VP for the service line at Premier. Uh he's also a system prof at Duke. So no CTO, no... Um, yeah, so uh, I think primarily they grow through acquisitions, but you also have to see like who is actually managing this whole tech infra. It might be integrated, things might work well and all that, but whether it can actually scale and... Cause of concern, huh? Hmm. Cause of concern feels like no tech guys, exactly like what you said, and they are a tech platform. I do not see them as a healthcare company. Mm. Okay, they are not like a healthcare company on Zoom. Huh? Mm. <laughs> That's not what they are trying to sell us. Mm. Right, so I'm continue. I'm going to expect continuation of the lean model um, where it is a data-driven, you know, um, marketplace kind of play. 
uh, with additional stuff to kind of grow their ecosystem, right? So it's not just a pure marketplace like shopping like that, right? With additional wearables and other things to uh, reinforce, you know, their their stickiness as a, as a platform play. But it's a cause of concern you know, in my view that there is no tech guy in this space when you're handling sensitive data and a lot of data and, you know, insurers, health data. But they have a very reliable outsourcing arm. <laughs> Let's just be extremely honest, right? If there is a data breach at Teladoc, this mm. thing is going to go down. It will not like, it may not go like, boom, on the way down, but it's going to get affected. Yeah. People are going to like question whether they can trust um, the platform, mm. right? So uh, that, that's the reality, lah. Right, and when you're running a small company, you don't get attacked. Like you don't have money to be attacked. I mean, you look mm. at their financial position, mm. <laughs> you know. But as as they grow and they become more and more viable, I I definitely want to see, um, some serious back end tech guys, you know, mm. managing data and all. Even yeah. if you don't have like strong UI guys in front, right, or mm. or ladies in front, then at least I want to see some like serious back end data management yep. people. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a weird mix. Uh. I mean, M&A, right? Because you keep M&Aing, you, you keep acquiring, acquiring, then, you know, it's this is what you get. Lah. You get a Frankenstein bunch of people that came from everywhere. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that, that's not to say they've not done a great job, okay? That's not to say that they've not done a good job so far. Right? But whether can they continue to grow and continue to scale, I think, um, technicalities-wise, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a question mm. mark. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this might happen a lot actually for startups. They might be very heavily on the sales, marketing driven side of things, but they don't have any means of production, they'll outsource, right? Mm -hmm. And then they could actually get a lot of sales, get a lot of traction and all that. But over time, this bloat of software, right? There's no architecture, there's no organization, whichever, right? Might bite them in the long run. Mm -hmm. One reason is because of these breaches and all that. But it might also be because of the level of scale that they want to grow into, right? Cannot already. It's already reaching the limit already. Mm. Um, and more often than not, these kind of companies will not have a good or rather a strong engineering culture, right? People just keep leaving, right? Mm. Uh, when people keep leaving, then you don't... Basically, your brains of the organization to hold all these things together also leave. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Document as much as you want. No one knows how to find the code. Mm. You're mm. also in, in, in a problem already. Then you outsource everything and then you're relying on other people to actually build your core business. And that's very bad. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They are tech business. Let's uh. not forget that. They are tech mm. business. Mm, mm, mm. But it's still amazing how far they've come. Okay, they, yeah. they, they are not, they are not uh, by any chance a small player. Like, maybe we will never grow our company to to, to anywhere close to them. So I think it's mm. salute to them. But as an investor, at this point in time, trying to enter a company, um, you're not early stage. And so all this kind of engineering reality and technical lack becomes a, becomes a real thing. Yep. Okay, so then um, let's let's move into like overall discussion of the company. Like after you look at this whole thing, do you think they have some modes, you know, or what are some things that they can develop to to become a serious player and you know be dominant? Mm, I think the one of the key modes is really data. So data that they get from the. But <laughs> they got no CTO. It's okay. They have a CIO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just keep M and Aing or M and A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more they... data, more integrations. Mm, mm, yeah. mm, 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 mm. Okay, so they have data, right? Uh, let's just assume it's well done, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they have different use cases which they also uh, go into, like acute care, chronic care, episodic care. These all needs certain kinds of data points, right? And you have this available to provide to insurers. They're definitely going to buy. They're definitely also going to want to work with you because you can help them to reduce risk in some way yes. right? and you can negotiate better contracts. The other thing is that they have this proprietary data 
they can analyze it in funny, funny ways, which will also help to uh, improve their platform. Yeah, provided they have the engineering capability. La. So over the long term, actually, this is very, very powerful. They want to work together with uh, certain clinics or certain hospitals. True. Yeah. Um, basically, give them more leverage. La. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if they acquire mm. some genomics company, right? Then they got all the DNA integration into this whole thing, right? It will be a marvel, you know, to, to play around with all these, right? Maybe not until there. Like. It's more like, say like if they have a wearable, right? And then they have some kind of analytics associated to it. They can detect when a certain symptom appears and really sort of like recommend what is the possible solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, things like that. It's a simple But I'm one. definitely thinking that they will acquire some genomics company. Like. Some, some, those kind of, you know, the DNA, the, the swap, you know, they try to gather right. like retail genome uh-huh, kind of uh-huh. thing, right? And that will add to the color of the data set that they can have. Right. You know, so that will be pretty interesting. I mean, mm. don't, don't be surprised in the next uh, yeah. year or two, you see them acquiring Circles DNA or something like that. One of those, one of those DNA companies that's yeah. acquiring a lot of retail customers at this yeah. point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and if they're collecting this information also, it's easy to pass it along to the hospitals directly, right? Instead of like, oh, electronic record from here, here and here and here and here. And then you've got to go to five different places, collect first before you go to the clinic. Hospital records are one of the shittiest. And (laughs) yes, yes. We can talk about this another time, but yes. Mm. uh, Mm. Finally, there's some disruption in the hospital record ecosystem. Mm. Uh, Of course, the whole data breach, everything is a a real thing. That's why they don't innovate. Yeah, but... Right, right. And then um, there are health plans that's covered. So this is the, the, the coverage that I was talking about. So having more of these being covered, right? So 50 plus uh, health plans really that they're actually covering, which is a lot. People can just claim without worry, right? Mm. They don't need to like check one by one. I mean, they, they should check, right? But even if they don't, they know that actually they can be covered. And the company is also well assured that their employees are well taken care of. Uh. Yeah. So this is a form of mode, right? If you go to... if Another competitor to Teladoc comes to their enterprise customer and say like, hey, we also have the same solution. We can like undercharge them by 20%. You want or not? They say, you have this coverage or? Oh, don't have. You have this one or? Don't have. Oh, sorry, cannot. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. So that works in their favor. Fair. Yeah. Then uh, the customer and partner network. So, okay, 40% of the Fortune 500. That's pretty good. That's pretty decent. Uh, your reputation is there. And having that amount of customers where you just go to another Fortune 100 company and say like, hey, these other Fortune 500 companies are with me. You want or not? So their reputation is important. Their brand is important. And they also work with the global insurers and financial services firms. So it's like 70 plus of them. So the more they have of this, it's even more difficult for others to actually penetrate. Yes. Yeah. So it's a reinforcing thing. Uh. And another would be their physical network. So of course you need uh, clinics for people to actually go down to once you, 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 you uh, send them over for a referral. 11,000 care locations. Yeah. So it's spread out across the US. The more that they have, basically it's good right you can cover a wider geographic area yeah but uh i i put this as a lower priority because basically it's still a physical constraint it's not something that they can control so yeah if they are also just spending money to acquire more physical network right it's a problem yeah rather the physical network should come to them which they're trying to do so as they grow this i think this becomes a stronger mode and then it's reinforcing they can protect their market share at least even though there is a solid one so yeah those are the modes Mm. Yeah, fair. For honestly, for a company at this size to have all these modes is uh, not simple, la. I mean, mm. but they are in a very complex space. Mm. So to have come so far and gotten all these things together, then okay, you gotta give it to them. You know, they're pretty good, right? But yeah, like like we've pointed out, like, all these things with lack of engineering people on the team. You know, um, looks like growth is plateauing or gonna plateau because you know they have kind of maxed out the immediate market. They're con- gonna continue yeah. to acquire abroad, and that's gonna affect their financials. And you gotta see if it works uh, as we go along. Can they kind of integrate and scale as mm. we go along, right? Mm. So. 
so, so that's that's kind of all all to the company, you know, as as a whole. But if we want to take this company and reference it within the whole market, mm. right? So, what are some of the risk factors that we should know, and what are some of the like growth opportunities as a as a retail investor that we should uh, be aware of and trying to analyze this company? Right, right, right. So, I think the competitors is something that shouldn't be ignored, lah. So, other than American Well, there's also Doximity. You know, it's been doing this since 2009 as well. Also listed, uh, DOCS, and then there's Amazon. And there's Microsoft, and there's Google Investments, there's also Apple, and a few other startups who's trying to do the same thing. And then there's also Doctor on Demand, which is one of the key startups uh, that's also fighting them on this. A lot of people are in this space. It's, so we've talked about all the startups, we've talked about the platform, it's more or less a similar one. They are one of the highest market share, sure, but they're not covering the angle which the FANG companies are doing. So, okay, FANG plus... Microsoft. La. So Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple. Let's just talk about these few. So they're going more of the enterprise angle, but as a system for the enterprise to use uh, inside their company, right? It's like a ERP system kind of thing. Or they're going to the direction of just heavy on wearables, right? So in the healthcare clinic, in the hospitals and all that, say like you have your Apple Watch. It's got all the sensors that the um, healthcare institution needs, right? To do some kind of diagnosis, really. And Apple has their own kind of ecosystem, right? So this platform is really like kind of automatic. They have the data, they are able to use it. And also very sophisticated infra. Yeah, so Google Investments, Amazon, along the same track also uh, for healthcare as well as for telemedicine. And these guys, are well, they're tech companies, right? So they probably know how to build things more efficiently than Teradoc, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So that's, that is some cause of concern. Um, it's also a market which uh, Teradoc hasn't really fully gone into. Uh, Live and Go is primarily just uh, people at home, you have a tracker, you have some kind of simple sensor. But it's not to the level of like Apple, mm. wearable, the device. They plan for the Apple Watch, right, to become the device for healthcare institutions to mm. use. That's on a different level. But it may not be a competitive thing. They could connect. It could, be, could, it, it could be an integrated thing. Yeah. Right? It's, it's kind of like how... Spotify is integrated on all these different platforms. Sure. And a lot of softwares are integrating also. Sure. So I, I I really don't see them as definitely a competition. We, we got to see their appetite, you know, mm-hmm. as we go along, kind of see what are these companies trying to do. But I would think just saying like the Fang guys are, are going to challenge them. It's not as simple, lah, I feel, right? Like, but the Fang guys definitely more technically advanced. Yeah. Definitely can create better products. But whether or not can they integrate into the whole platform play the platform play is is hard mm. you know like I think that's the that's the part where I see uh, a little bit differently I don't want to simplify the whole like oh you know like tech definitely can can fight them because yeah. there are a lot of things that tech guys do very very well but honestly in healthcare it's a different game it's a whole different game mm. and mm. you don't see big tech guys carving out big markets in the tech space yet mm. even till today and this is not their first attempt in trying to like do healthcare yeah. and all that. So, yeah. so that's a that's an interesting thing to note. But definitely, we'll see better wearables, better data collection from all these tech guys because that is their advantage. So yeah. maybe as an investor, you can see whether it's Teledoc going to come to an arrangement, do some sort of API to do some sort of like connectivity where data can be transmitted right. across different platforms. And you know, they don't need to fight everybody. It does not need to operate in a silo. Correct. Right, if they can integrate with other people, then it that further cements their position mm-hmm. because you wouldn't really want to attack your own guys right. that you integrate with. Yeah. So right. so Apple would primarily focus on the wearables market. Yes. Hardware. Hardware. Yes, yes, right? yes. You can use your iPad, you can use a wearable inside the hospital. Sure. Yes. But 
platform, nah, let someone else do it. Yeah, let someone else do, right? So I think Apple is not very interested in doing the whole like platform play. You see what they do, they don't, they're not very interested in doing platform per se, right? They want to do apps, services, Mm. very small things, you know, to to elevate their walk garden kind of hardware ecosystem, but not a whole new platform. Maybe Microsoft has a bigger kind of push to these kind of things, yes. Yeah, yeah. Amazon-wise, I think it will be the closest competitor in terms of platform. Yeah, so, Amazon compete with everybody. Right? Yeah, so. I mean, they are a platform company. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, yes, E-commerce yes. and all that. And they have like the mm. pharma, you know, the medical to send medicine to your house and all that. So Yes, yes. Yeah. I think Walmart also recently announced that they're doing that. Mm. But yeah, in, in small ways. Uh, apparently, like 3 million of their customers all have diabetes. So they, they formed their own, they created their own insulin just because of that. Oh. You know how crazy that is? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about insulin uh, development. Uh, so yes, that's yeah. an interesting development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the last risk will be because there's really so many players, right? Eventually, they reach a level of maturity similar to uh, Teladoc. So the mode becomes less of uh, a thing, mm. right? Everyone else also has the same kind of coverage. Um, pricing power will definitely be something that uh, the rest of the enterprise customers will start to look at also. Yes. You can still have the same number of customers, but you're just going to pay less because they say, like, I can just switch. Yeah, so it's a two-way thing uh, for negotiation. I think I think those are the major risks for them. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Mm. I think overall, overall, the company has has done an interesting job you know, so far mm. to get to where they are. Uh, over time, where I think they, they can potentially become, you know, um, there, there is some level of trust that needs to go into developing healthcare platform. It's not mm. just another app, right? Mm. It's, it's, you know, like, like I can TikTok and I can Instagram, you know, I can switch around. It's very lifestyle. It's not very, like, it's not sensitive, yep. you know, but if Teladoc can become that beacon of, you know, truth and uh, security and reliability, then yeah, yeah, you never know, right? They, they could yeah. really become a dominant platform player, you know, but uh, as with any other platform players, you know, the challenges are real. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not it's not just, oh, I just want to do a platform. Mm-hmm. So you will not see growth in a linear fashion. They will continue to acquire. The financials will continue to look similar, you know, and uh, we just got to keep, you know, observing this thing uh, as we go along. But yes, mm-hmm. I think our base case is, is similar to uh, a lot of other growth software platform. La. They're very expensive. La. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that they're not good uh, very expensive at this moment in time so it is for you to decide uh, but overall I think uh, that was a great discussion any any final things you want to add about Teladoc? interesting space interesting company I think the business model is also quite different from yes. the rest of the like SaaS or subscription yes, 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 based yes, yes. This, uh, this is new yeah. Mm. Yeah, so these their modes are more physical more mm. tangible you yes. can really know that okay they can kind of like hold the fort metaphorically speaking la. yeah <laughs> hold the fort <laughs> yeah they have a mode, right? Uh, they have a physical mode. Wow, that Come joke on. level, huh? Okay, okay, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, so, okay, good stuff. Um, not just another SES, but still a SES. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. See ya. So I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not here to give you any recommendations, but we're always happy to geek out with you on interesting companies and trends for 
the future, right? So this series has a lot more depth and terms. So if you have any questions for us, do join our community Telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description below. If you love us and will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for a weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. Also, yes, give us 5-star rating on your favourite podcast channel. Bye!